This is Noche Galactica. I'm Poeta Galactico. And today we have an, another episode about redefining success. We are in SoCal, in LA. You already know what it is, coming from a whole different city. Um, and I want to give the time to introduce uh, this amazing human being who I met a couple years ago in SF. Um, it was just a random conversation that we walked in. I brought him the magazine, Noche Galactica. I was like, hey, this is what I can do. Let's collaborate. Let's do something. But without further ado, I'm going to let you hold the mic and tell us who you are, where we at, and what you're about. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Christian. Uh, my name is Luis Cornejo, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex therapist, host of the Queer Magic podcast, and model. And I live uh, in Los Angeles and am also the co-owner of a private practice, uh, Psychosocial Therapy, where I specialize in working with queer, well, with queer and BIPOC mental health. Thank you for that. Um, once again, I think right before we jump into this podcast and this conversation, I was just sharing that I really appreciate who 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 you become uh, after we met. Like I know that was part of your journey, but it also has impacted me because I see you on social media, so the moves that you make, and I was like, yo, there's people making making their dreams happen. I got to continue to pursue mine, and and I just want to put that on on the podcast and just being live to you that. Your, your work truly is, is vibrant and creates waves around around the social media realm and, and in real life. Yeah, I know. Thank you for saying that. Honestly, this is, uh, I think, almost like a full circle moment for me, right? Because you're right. We did meet when we first started talking. We were both beginning some projects. We're in different places. Uh, I mean, we were even just talking about some of the things we were really trying to accomplish. And yet here we are three years later, uh, very different places, but still, I mean, really pursuing these dreams. And so I, I really appreciate that not only have we seen each other grow, but now we're we're here. I mean, we're on your, you know, your show. We're talking, and uh, this is a part of your process. And I'm just so excited that you know we're still in touch. And uh, I appreciate you, you know, highlighting uh, well queer voices, right? And and always being very supportive of me and my work as well. So thank you for that, Cristiano. Thank you, thank you. Always, always super appreciated about your work. Um, so Noche Galactica, this this season is about redefining success and what a success looks like for people. Um, I think when for my family, for myself, coming to this country, uh, often we seek success as like connected to money and financial and, and having all these different accolades, right? And sometimes we dismiss that just getting here it was it was a success, right? And then for folks, I have interviewed about 30 people. Um, and for folks who were born here, it's like, yo, my parents' success is my success. So I got to continue to carry that flag. Uh, with that being said, what what is success for you? What does it look like? What does it feel like for you? Um, here in the in the U.S. Yeah, no, thank you for naming that. You know, uh, success for me honestly has evolved over time. At least the idea, the concept, and how I really embody it within myself and my life. Uh, and, and you know, you said something very important that for many of us who are first generation, I am first generation Mexican Guatemalan. Uh, both my parents got here when they were about 13, 15 years old, and they got right to work. I mean, they left their families. They didn't know the language. They were working in factories out in the fields. And to them, success was really about starting uh, a life somewhere new, right, creating something. And, um, you know, they did. They got married very young. My dad was about 18. Mom was 28. My dad had me when he was 21. My mom was 31. I mean, they're 10 years apart. And they bought their first home, uh, you know, were very successful. I mean, my parents are those, like, I guess we would 
call them quote unquote good immigrants. Uh, they have perfect credit. They have savings. You know, they finished paying off their house last year. And so success to them was very, very much already a blueprint, right? This is what success is. You you work really hard, you buy a home, you find someone you love, you get married, you have kids, you go to church. That was pretty much their recipe for success. And uh, early on for me, when I um, was not just a, a in school, but also thinking about my own future. And it started really early on for me because, like I said, my parents were very much about success from their perspective. And so they were very extremely supportive in school uh, and would always kind of push the idea on me to be a doctor. And so that was kind of their way, like, oh, if you become a doctor, you know, that would be a, a really big honor for us, like having come to this country, uh, you know, seeing our children go through the education system. And so I bought into that. You know, that was my first idea of what success meant. It meant the title. It meant money. And as I went through school, that was that was kind of what I fixated on was I'm going to make my parents proud that that will be success for me. And um, I was that kid that was early on already reading like uh, uh, encyclopedia, like medical encyclopedias, watching videos on like uh, uh, medical stuff that I, it, I was a weird kid. I just really got into this idea that that was going to be success. And so my dad was actually uh, very supportive of my interest at that point. And he would buy me so many books and buy me like medical toys and like tough stuff like that, right? Really reinforcing it. And I remember getting to high school and, and uh, realizing like, wow, like my whole life has really been around doing well in school. At that point, I was in AP courses. I was, uh, you know, I got scholarship to go to school. I was the first one in my family to go to college. And I got there and I realized I don't want to be a doctor. I hate this shit. I <laughs> honestly, this is not what, this is not what I, I really love. And it was such a hard and very um, difficult process learning to let go of that because mm. I remember feeling a lot of shame and guilt uh, having to tell my parents, like, you know what, actually, this isn't what I want to do. And I remember almost like having this weird experience where it felt almost scarier than coming out to them, like telling them I'm not going to be a doctor, you know, because they were so invested in that idea and they had put so much um, support in it that I felt like I was letting them down. And I remember telling my mom, and they were upset, but at, but it wasn't so much because I wasn't choosing to be a doctor. It was really more around, um, you know, they, I think they felt some guilt as well, that they felt that I had kind of put it on them, that this was what you wanted me to do, and it's not what I want to do. So that was the first time where I started to question, like, okay, well, what what do I want to be, and what does success look like for me? And it was still very much rooted in education and titles, but it was more now about what I wanted to do. So I remember exploring. I, I started to take different courses in political science and realized, I, I thought, I'm going to be a lawyer. Didn't like it. I did courses in, um, what else was it, in... Uh, I think it was history. And I thought maybe I'll be a history teacher. And I loved history, but I didn't see myself as someone teaching. And so I was like, nope, that's not for me. And I actually went back and forth. And so there was a lot of shame for me too, because I had expected to graduate four years like everyone else, you know, get on with my life. And it actually took me almost six and a half years because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do and what really spoke to me. Uh, and after transferring a couple of times to different schools, I finally came back to the Bay Area and uh, I had a friend who had started bio with me, and she actually decided I'm not going to be a doctor either. She's like, That's, this isn't for me. And we, got, we, start, we started talking, and she was like, you know, Luis, I'm thinking a lot about either psychology or this other uh, major child development. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I, 
I'm open. Let's just let's just try it out and see what really speaks to me. Uh, the psych major was really impacted, and I decided, you know what, let me go check out this other one, uh, Child and Adolescent Development, which I had never heard about before. Uh, but going into the the open house and listening to them talk about it, I think that was the first moment where I was like, oh shit, like this is actually something I can really see myself doing. You know, it was about uh, not just the education system, but it was also talking about families and it was very centered around uh, folks of color. And it was almost like a a big part of it was also social justice. And I fell in love with it. And I was like, oh my God, this is definitely something I can see myself doing. So I decided to major in it and I honestly thrived. And that's how I knew that was for me. Like I had straight A's. The the course content was super interesting to me. I loved the projects. I loved my professors. And I was like, okay, this is good. This is, this is telling me like this, this is feels right. Uh, I finished school and um, I worked as a teacher and child uh, life specialist for about five years where I was basically supporting parents, educating them, doing workshops, uh, taking care of kids and also teaching, uh, but more, more uh, dev- early developmental stuff. Mm. So a lot of our language, a lot around um, just fine motor skills for a lot of the kids. And it was really wonderful. And, and to me, at that point, I felt really successful. And I was like, this is something that I, I definitely love. And then something, I think, kind of shifted for me a little bit later on where I started to kind of think again about where I saw myself. And um, I don't even know why, honestly, therapy kind of came to me. Like, I, I started to think maybe I could be a therapist. And when I saw therapists on TV, it was always this like older white person who just looked super <laughs> successful and like kind of like in a suit, you know, in a suit, wearing a suit, in a, in a like very like yeah. nice custom made suit, and so it looked successful to me. And yeah. I think at that point, I was like, you know what, I could still be uh, uh, something very like up and you know uh, what is it a professional yeah, looking like and blue I, collar or whatever yeah yeah and so I was like, let me look into this. And so I remember telling my my partner. Um, Hey, you know, I'm gonna. I'm thinking about going to grad school, and at that point, like, no one in my family had gone to grad school. I was actually the only one who had ever graduated with a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know what, this could actually be another good thing, mm-hmm. right? I could. This could also be a part of of my success. So I applied to one school because I told him if I am meant to get it and 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 go through this process, then the one school I actually really want to go to will work out. And mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that tends to be a little. A little weird, like spiritually, like I kind of like say, well, I will leave it up to the universe. I will manifestations. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to put it here because I believe in it, mm-hmm. and if it's meant for me, it will happen, and if it's not, then it won't. And that has honestly helped me so much because it's it's allowed me to just accept things as they come, and I, I'm really grateful for that. It's something I learned earlier on, and something that I've applied to my life constantly mm-hmm. is if something is meant for me, it will happen, and if not it's cool. Like you will find something else. And so this was one of those moments where I was like, I'm going to put everything into this. I'm going to apply. I'm going to send it in. Um, This was a really competitive program here in LA at Cal State Long Beach. Um, I remember them sending us an email saying, oh, we had about 350 applications. Mm. We're only going to do 50 interviews and we're only taking 25 students. Mm. And I was like, ah, well, yeah, I'm not getting in. And, you know, I got to kind of just like let it go. I I think we kind of sometimes go into that space where we're like, if I just if I just don't have these high expectations, I won't be disappointed. So that was me in that moment. (laughs) I already lost. So don't even worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't have to I don't have to do anything. It's fine. Like it's like I never applied. And Two weeks later, I get a call, mm. and they're like, hey, we're calling from Cal State Long Beach. You know, we want to uh, offer you 
a spot to interview. Oh, and I was like, oh, shit, okay, yeah, now, now this is real. Like, yeah. I wasn't expecting it. And I remember uh, telling my partner, we came down, and um, I like sharing this story because, I, it, it, you know, at that point, I remember just mostly being excited that I could tell my parents. Mm, I got an interview. That's beautiful. It's for, you know, my grad program, poss- possible grad program. And my parents were like, we're going with you. And I was like, no, no, you don't have to go with me. It's just an interview. Like, you know, no, they're like, no, we want to go with you. We're really proud of you. And I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So that day I remember picking them up and my mom and dad are dressed like they're going to church, you know, <laughs> yeah. out. and my dad is like, let's pray. And then, you know, we, we sit there praying and then they're like, okay, we're going to head out there. And I remember sitting in the interview room like 10, 15 other mm. people. And I'm the only one in there with my parents, you mm. know, this Latino kids, anyways, <laughs> two little parents. And then everyone else is like white or like yeah. they're just, you know, with their briefcase yeah. and they're kind of just like smiling at me. And I'm feeling all like, oh my God, I'm here with my parents. Like this, <laughs> it, But it was, I, now when I look back at it, it was such a nice memory to have because yeah. that's how supportive they are. Yeah, you know, that's, that's how much they've really um, invested in in my life and, and you know, my dreams. And mm. so, they went with me. I went into that interview, did what I had to do, spoke up, you know, talked about my own experience, my reasons for really wanting to do this program. And I left, flew back to the Bay Area. And uh, I think it was about three weeks after I kind of had just thought, you know what, maybe they're not going to call me. They probably should have called by now. And I just kept on, you know, going with my life. And three weeks later, we were at a Chinese restaurant. My parents had come to visit us in the Bay Area and I get a call and I'm like, okay, I don't know who this is. So I step out and I answer the phone call and the person's like, hi, I'm the director of, you know, the, the counseling psychology program at uh, Long Beach State. And I, is this Luis? And I'm like, yes, this is Luis. And they're like, I just wanted to say congratulations. You're one of the hey. 25 people we accepted into the program. Hey. And I just wanted to personally welcome you. And I started crying. Like hey. it was such a big moment for me thinking like, wow, I'm going to grad school. Mm. Like, you know, none, no one in my family has done it. Uh, no one uh, in my family had even thought about it. And here I was, the one person that was always the nerdy one, you know, kind of the the uh, the weird one. And just really just being someone that I think found a lot of, a lot of um, escape in books and education and thinking, okay, this is, this is, you know, it paid off. Like my hard work paid off and I'm going to grad school. And I told my parents, and they were really happy about it. And, uh, you know, the next few years, uh, I did so well. I loved the program, um, finished and graduated. And then for a few years, I worked in and out of, like, nonprofits, uh, some really difficult programs where I was working with at-risk kids on mm. call 24-7, mm. other programs where it was more in the community, not a lot of resources. Ended up at Kaiser, worked there for a year. Kaiser was a totally different place where um, another version of success for me, right? Being mm. able to make over six figures and that's... having a big title and, you know, doing all of these nice things. And I think for me at that point, that was success. Mm. I felt successful. And then uh, COVID happened. Yep. You know, um, we got locked down. I started to notice that the work I was doing, although I, I loved it, was having a toll on me, especially in the system I was working in. There was a lot of demand on me physically, mentally, emotionally, and I started to struggle. I can, I, I mean, I, I would say I, I had depression. Mm. I had a hard time getting up to go to work. I didn't even have motivation. Um, there were a lot of moments where I felt very hopeless and felt stuck. Uh, I started to, 
use eating as a coping strategy, gained a lot of weight, uh, started to have health stuff that was coming up. And uh, around that same time, my parents got sick with COVID towards the end of my, my year that I was at Kaiser. And as I was trying to go see them, I kind of pretty much ran into a wall. Um, I didn't really have a good relationship with my supervisor and they weren't very supportive. And so I, I almost kind of uh, had to make a big decision of either I'm going to stay here and continue mm. this and suck it up because I'm making six figures because I have a big title because I have a nice office overlooking downtown mm. or I'm going to have to like, you know, figure something else out mm. and pick myself. And that was something I wasn't used to because I was raised under the idea that we had to hustle and there, it wasn't time for us to be picky and job security was crucial. And I couldn't just leave this big job that like was pretty much the ideal, the goal, right, of what it was to be a successful therapist. And it was it was a lot. I ended up going on family leave and I was supporting my my siblings and I was visiting my parents who were in the hospital um, with COVID and pretty much uh, spent most of my time in L.A. and then going back to the Bay. And it was during that time that I realized I need to I need to do something like I'm not happy. Mm. Like, I, I'm honestly I, I remember sitting there and asking myself, like, is this what you wanted? Like you have all I mean, on paper, it's everything. Mm -hmm. But are you happy? Mm. And I wasn't. I, I, I think I was really honest with myself in that moment. And I thought the money's nice. And at the same time, I'm not even enjoying it. Mm. <laughs> I don't have time to rest. I'm, you know, my parents are sick with COVID. I'm dealing with all these other things. I'm not really happy at my job. And so it was that moment where um, I tapped into my community. And one of the first people I reached out to was Adriana from Latinx Therapy. Yeah. And she actually offered uh, a course that she was doing on starting your private practice. Mm. And private practice was something that I always wanted to do. And I, I, I always uh, thought it would be where I ended up. But it was one of those kinds of roles where you pretty much had to trust yourself. Yep. Like it wasn't you weren't working for anyone. Like you were literally starting a business. It was a big risk. There was no promise that I would make money or that I would succeed. Yep. There was no promise that, you know, I would uh, um, be able to attract clients. None of that stuff. There was no guarantee pretty much. And so it was risky. And here I was like thinking, oh, my gosh, like if I pursue this, it's going against everything that I've been taught mm. and taking this big risk. But if I don't, I don't know how long I'll last mm. doing this. And so I remember uh, taking the course with her and everything felt so straightforward at that point and having her support and just being around other folks who were also thinking about starting their practice. Uh, I realized like, okay, I can do this. And I think that was the first time, honestly, where I sat there and I said, I got to trust myself. Like I have to take, this risk, I have to take this chance on me and just see where it goes. Mm. And so it was terrifying. I remember telling my parents and they were like, no, what are you thinking? Like, you have a good job. You know, they're paying you so much and you're doing well. Good health insurance. You have good insurance. <laughs> yep. You have good, you know, benefits. Yep. And so it was it was a lot. Like, I remember just kind of sitting there like, oh, my God, what should I do? What should I do? And I remember uh, my partner, Roy, being like, you know, you should do it. What's going to make you feel good. Mm. And if going back to Kaiser is that, then I'll support you. But if it's not, then maybe you should take a chance. And I ended up taking the chance. And this was mm. two years ago. Launched my private practice. Uh, that my I was, it was like the first first time business owner. Yeah. You know, no one 
had ever talked to me about starting a business. I didn't know shit about yeah. taxes. I didn't know anything about anything. I remember just going in there and being like, okay, I got my checklist from this course. <laughs> I got my blueprint. Now what do I do? Yeah. And, you know, luckily I, I will say that um, I was really blessed to, to find that a lot of the people that I actually uh, ended up leaving a lot of clients mm-hmm. uh, were like, no, we want to keep working with you. Oh, beautiful. Like I, we want to go with you. And even if we have to pay out of pocket, like, that's fine. Like I'd rather do that than get, you know, go through my insurance where they, I can feel like, I feel like they don't care about me. Mm. And so for me, that was one of the first things that was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. You know, people believe in me, like clients, you know, they're willing to pay to see me and they clearly value this work that I do with them. And that was the first, the first uh, kind of like week for me was like three clients mm. that followed me and me trying to figure out how am I going to market myself? How am I going to do all this stuff? Uh, a lot of first. Mm. And I remember just deciding in that moment that, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I want it to be fully me. Mm. And something that I didn't really get an opportunity to do when I was going through these other systems was really showcase myself as a queer person of color, uh, as a first gen person. And um, you know, it was never, it was always something that was valued by these systems as, as a sense of, oh, you know, we need you, like there's people that, you know, want to work with you and uh, we need diversity or whatever. But it was never in a sense of like, this is embedded into the work mm. that I do. So when I did my private practice, I got a chance to make it mine. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've done. You know, it, it, I've been able to grow it and really put a lot of emphasis around how I practice, but also what I bring to the table. And that has been a lot of shifting away from the more westernized, uh, white supremacy oriented version of therapy Mm -hmm. that we usually see, like we were talking about, right? The white person with the suit and kind of telling someone this is what's wrong with you and, you know, very medical model. And I moved away from that and started to really tap into more of a human approach where I saw people as people and, you know, even labeling them felt wrong to me uh, and really bringing in myself into this work. And I'm happy to say that my private practice right now is a hundred percent queer and or BIPOC. And that's, that's my, that's my, my specialty. Uh, And so that, that's actually been the nicest part is being able to work with folks that need someone like me mm-hmm. to help them, you know, to help guide them, to help give them the information, to help process whatever it is that they're, they're bringing into therapy. Um, and now also really embracing myself, I've been able to also utilize a lot of my work in self-expression, mm-hmm. identity. Uh, and I recently got certified in sex therapy, which mm-hmm. was another additional program that I went yeah. through uh, to, to really do work with queer folks specifically around gender, sexuality, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sexual concerns, kinks, fetishes, all of these things that I, I don't think we talk about enough. And uh, even in sex therapy, it's still very heterosexually oriented, mm-hmm. where a lot of the research, a lot of the practitioners uh, are, you know, focused on very old school models of sex. Mm-hmm. And so for me coming in as this more, you know, indigenous, queer, uh, brown person, it, it's, I think it's, uh, it's been healing. Yeah you know, to know that I'm bringing something. So that was success for me. And honestly, through that practice, through everything, it definitely has shifted mm. because I, I no longer saw six figures as success. I mean, yeah, it, it, obviously, like, it's nice. And uh, I still aspire to be a business, yeah. you know, person, a business owner. Uh, but it's, it's not the main calling to me anymore. Mm. It's really more around intention. It's really more around joy and feeling 
what's the word? Um, just feeling good about doing this. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think for me, I always thought of work as something that I needed to do. Whereas now it's something where I, I enjoy doing it. Mm. And aside from that, I got to explore other things because I went into private practice. So now I'm doing modeling. I'm working a lot more in fashion. I launched my podcast. And all of these things happened because I decided to take a risk on myself and allow myself to grow and really, really see success in different ways at different times. And not just as this one kind of like... Um, you know, check mark that I take off. So it, it's constantly evolving for me. Even now, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, success. If you were to ask me right now, I would say that I feel I feel good about where I am, and yet I'm also aspiring to continue to grow as a human being. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's success, right? The opportunity to continue to do uh, the per the internal personal work, uh, but also to continue supporting others on their journey. And so I would definitely say that. Uh, it it's gone through its many changes, yeah. and it will continue to do that for me. Damn, I, I'm thank you, thank you for sharing this journey. Like as you were speaking, I'm I'm, I'm visualizing, you know, the younger version of yourself, uh, the the different stages of your life, and I keep thinking in my head the word that keeps coming up is like trailblazing. You know, like you are making things happen as you go, and also taking a chance and betting on yourself. That often I feel like a lot of us in our communities. Don't think about we have it within us already. Mm -hmm. We just have to bet on it. Mm -hmm. And and you, your story, where you add is just uh you you just showing showing it off. You know that like you can make it happen if you bet on you. And I agree with you. I'm in a similar transition where I felt that I was making X amount of money and I was like, oh, I made it, but I was like, it just feels empty inside. And it feels like it's not connected to like my purpose, mm -hmm. who I am as a human being. Mm -hmm. And it's just like I'm giving it up and really betting on like my purpose and I'm sure it's going to make it happen and manifestations. If it's meant to me, it's going to come and also open my own practice, creative agency. And I feel like people are reaching out to me. Like they believe in it. It feels beautiful. People see it. People see it. This is the thing that once you set yourself free and really give yourself a chance, like people will see it. You know, I hear that all the time from people who meet me or who know about me. They're always like, Oh my God, there's just something about you. Like when I see you, like you look joyful, like you you look like someone that's really enjoying their lives or doing or enjoying what they're doing. And this was not the case, like I said, three mm. years ago. And so people see that and they trust it because they really feel connected, right, to this idea that you can live life outside of a blueprint and it's and it works yes. and it's okay. Um, and it, it's it's a really hard process, to be honest with you, because just like you were sharing about your own experience, I kept thinking about how so many folks I work with, we get stuck in this narrative of what it means, right, to be, to find worth as a human being. And it takes time to unlearn a lot of those things, right, that we don't need to do things a certain way or have to go through a certain process to be successful, to be valued, uh, that th it's not the only way. Right. And I think for me uh, personally, like when I think of my my history and, and just with education, to be honest with you, I realized a while ago that what I really wanted to do was to be a fashion designer. That was mm. my dream. And I, it was something I shut down from the get go because I grew up in a very conservative home where that wasn't OK for us to be creative in that way. And a lot of designers that are the best, you know, many of them didn't go to school. They created from the heart. They, they had vision. They had, you know, a lot of 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 
unlearning that they did around society. And you have to, right? Because most of the time society tells you that if you need to follow things specifically like this, or you're not a good person, or you're not successful. And so it is really scary when you go against that and you say, no, I'm not going to do it this way because it's not the only way. It's not the way that speaks to me, which is why now um, I will say that my privilege has been being able to get to this point in my education where I have a career, I have a job, and yet I'm also doing all this other stuff on the side because that's really my passion, mm. you know, modeling, doing fashion, uh, doing entertainment, the podcast, and finding that harmony between both of these things has meant something new to me because now it's not only that I obtain the educational part, but then there's also this other side of me that needed a lot of nurturing and a lot of inner child healing, uh, especially because, like I said, I was I was that kid that really just loved creativity, loved reading, loved to do all of these things and um, didn't really get a chance to do that till later on. So in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm almost having like a second adolescence mm. where I'm discovering more and more about myself and just letting that exist. And to me, that has also been a part of my success. It has been giving myself permission to dream and to really do these things that I was told I couldn't do. Yeah. When people ask me like, oh, what do you do? You know, and I tell them I'm a therapist, they're like, oh, okay, awesome. And then I'm like, oh, I'm also doing modeling and I'm yeah. posting this. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, wow. Like you, you know, you're modeling, you're doing fashion and you don't really see a lot of folks, uh, especially not, uh, you know, folks of color who are in fashion or who are doing yeah. uh, modeling because it is a very Eurocentric yeah very tight knit and also very, um, I mean, downright just a lot of discrimination yep. that goes on. Right. And so for me to come in and to also be able to say, I can be a model, like I can do this. I can work in fashion. I can also be a therapist. I can also host a podcast. I can also be creative in all of these different ways. It has been liberating yeah. because I'm not sitting here now letting anyone tell me what I can be or what I can do. I'm doing that for myself. Yeah. And that has also been a very, very important part of my success. So I wouldn't even say that it, it you know, the educational part is the most successful part. Yeah. I would say that it finally being able to get to a place where that helped me to be able to do what I actually love to do, mm. which is kind of weird because yeah. most people would be like, oh, but, you know, you're a therapist. And, and it's like, yeah, I love this work. But also, this is the other side of me, yeah. the creative side of me. Um, it's so that yin and yang, you know, keeping a balance, making it, making it, it works for you. Yes. Man, this is so inspiring. I mean, I feel like we sent so many similarities when it comes to like, I'm an educator, but I'm also X, Y, Z, you know, like I'm, I'm so many other things. Yeah. Don't box me up. Don't tell me I'm just one thing because I feel like that's where the beauty of people mm -hmm. who continue to innovate and transpire and be trailblazers, like I said earlier, is like, what? I, I can be all that. I get that. I get that a lot too. Like I can be all that. I was like, yes, it's hard work. And you got to continue to be thinking about like, you know, how to make it better, how to be a better human being. But it's, it comes with this. Don't put me in the box. I'm more yes. than that. Yes, exactly. And that's what I love about seeing your stuff, your content, because yeah, when I see you, I'm always like, it's not even like a jack of all trades. I just see you being free. Yeah. I just see you following what your heart is telling you, whether it's poetry, whether it's creating, whether it's, you know, running for leadership, whether it's, you know, something with education. And I love that because, I, I, like I said, I think that we often buy into those limitations mm -hmm. and we get stuck instead of really seeing our potential. And so just hearing you talk about it makes me so happy because I, I know that's been something you and I have shared in common has been really not allowing ourselves to be put into a box. And things do shift for us. Yep. And I think that is another important thing. I was told 
you find a job, you're there for 40 Say years, it. things are great. And I, I realized early on, no, that's not me. I have to go with my heart. Like, yes, all of these things matter. Survival is important. Yeah. And at the same time, I will find a way. Yes. I will figure it out. Um, and that was the, the, the biggest, I think, takeaway for me from starting my private practice was taking that risk and finally saying, I'm going to bet on you. Yeah. You know, I'm going to bet on, on myself. And I'm, I'm actually going to do something for me. And, and you have the agency, you know, it's you. Like, there's yeah. the buck stops with you. Like, it's not like I'm going to work yeah. and then I'll be okay. It's like, no, if I don't get up today, if I don't put my face out there, if I'm not networking, yeah. that's my business. And yeah. I feel like there's a responsibility to that, but it's also a sense of like, oh, damn, I, I move different in the world, you know? So it gives you an extra yeah. oomph into the thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's the way you show up for yourself, yeah. right? It, it's, it's, uh, it's empowering and it's also a gift to, to be able to allow yourself in spaces where you didn't think you belong, but also creating your own spaces, yeah. you know, and so just showing up and just being you, being yourself. I love that. I love that. Bam. Moving on, wrapping it up. Who are a couple people in your life who really make those specific phases of your life? Um, a lot of, like I said, it sounds like you were trailblazing, uh, thinking about, like, I'm betting on myself to make this happen for me. But I'm sure you, you name your family, you know, your partner, yeah, yeah. people who really help you shift that yeah, to help yeah. you get to this place of success. That's a great question. You know, it's always so hard to answer because there's so many people. Obviously, throughout time, uh, there's been many folks that have come in and out of my life, but I still really value and appreciate what they did for me in those moments where I did need them. And I'm a firm believer that as much as we can do self-love and really focus on ourselves and really take credit, that we were never doing things alone. Mm. There is always someone, community, a friend, a person at an office, someone that helps in some way or another. Even people we look up to, right, we admire, uh, help us, right, by guiding us or by giving us insight into who we are and what we want to do. And so for me, when I think of that question, I, I often, yeah, first think of my parents, right? They were there from the get-go. Uh, they still continue to be very supportive and, and uh, big players in, in my life. Uh, my partner, who I've been with for 14 years now, mm. uh, who from the get-go has never questioned things I wanted to do, and instead has been very supportive and nurturing, and uh, just my supports, my, my my the biggest part of my support system. Uh, and then from there, all of my you know my my homies, all the people that that I I really I think uh, grew so much with because they challenged me mm. because they didn't take my shit. You know, they were like very <laughs> like no like. Louise calling me out when they oh. needed to. Um, you know, people like uh, Cynthia Flores, uh, Lizzie Nojosa, who's my business partner, who really took a chance on me as well mm. when we talked about, like, should we do this? Do we jump into it together? Like, and, and she was uh, one of the people that actually motivated me and encouraged me to go solo. And then when she got licensed and um, she was ready, we're like, let's mm. do this. We do it together. And right now she's one of, uh, one of my closest friends, you know, someone that I, I don't have to run this missus alone. I have someone I trust, someone that sees me and someone that I've cried with and had hard moments with. Mm. So she's another one. Uh, my best friend, Catherine Dominguez, who is a social worker out in San Francisco and worked with uh, youth and, and homeless uh, families. She was actually the one that got me into the idea of becoming a therapist. Mm. Uh, when I met her, we we're both teachers. And she said, 
uh, I'm going to grad school. You would be an amazing therapist. And I was like, oh, what is that? Like, you know, like I've never gone to therapy. You know, we never talked yeah. about that. And just looking into it and thinking like, wow, like this is this is something that that I could totally do and support and help others. And so she inspired me to do that. Um, my my sibling, uh, my brother Daniel, who was the first person I came out to and who has always mm. been supportive and there for me. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, the, these are generally the, the main players, the main folks. I've had many other mentors like Adriana from Latinx Therapy. I've had uh, many folks who have guided me. And so um, I will say that it's always a hard question because I, I and I get a little emotional because I also yeah. think about some of the people um, that are not here anymore, you know, have passed on, uh, who did play a big role in my life. Uh, last year, we lost, no, actually, actually, it was this year. I'm already thinking ahead. This year, we lost uh, a family member, uh, one of my partner's aunts, who was always that person that would see me and instinctively and automatically just be like, you know, elevating me like, mm. oh, I saw your, you know, your work. I heard your podcast. I saw your video. I saw your picture. And just always seeing me as a person and really, um, uh, yeah, just being so welcoming and, uh, you know, say goodbye to her. And it, that was a really tough moment. Uh, and I think a lot about folks like that who came into my life and really inspired me or even just as simple as just being kind. You know, I mean, we do live in a world where there's obviously still a lot uh, when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community, mm -hmm. politically and socially and all of these things. And so for me, I, I don't take any of that for granted. And so there's a lot of folks that I, I'm, I'm not listing right now, but I'm, I'm definitely thinking about. And um, yeah, so I think community is extremely important and um, it's a big part of our success. It's beautiful, beautiful. Um, the next question is a twofold question. Um, some some guiding words, some wisdom for folks who are watching this, reading, uh, listening to this around like, I want to jump into the deep end. That's why I call it. I'm jumping into the deep end, but I cannot find the motivation to do it. Um, what were some like key pillars or like what what kind of step you took that you can share with folks of like, if you're about to do this, start your own business or switch a job or redefine success for yourself. I did this and this is what work might work for y'all. Yeah, yeah. I think what I would tell folks, and honestly, this this is not easy. It's easier said than done, is embracing the fear of failure. And what I mean by that is is not avoiding it because we do fail. We 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 are going to fail in many things. And as as shitty as that sounds, and as scary as it sounds, it's a part of our growth. We don't grow. From the happy moments the happy moments we're celebrating we're excited we're feeling high you know on on success but it's the moments where we fail where things happen that we reevaluate that we learn that we grow from and something that i had to honestly do was just tell myself like luis like this is this is a part of you being human that there will be many uncomfortable moments there will be many times where things don't work out the way that you wanted them to and that's okay because at the end of the day, you have survived before. You will figure something out. You will move forward, and things will things will be fine. And those words have always really stayed with me, and have really motivated me to not be afraid to do things. And even with my podcast, when I launched it, honestly, like that whole process before was 
oh my gosh, who's going to want to be on my podcast? Oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for this? Oh my gosh, like, am I even like a, a good speaker? Is my personality going to be likable? A million things that were coming to me. And in that moment, I said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to do this because this is what I want to do. This is a creative outlet for me. This is something that I needed growing up was really hearing queer stories, was really, really connecting with folks um, and, and their success. And I did it. And I have a sponsor now. I'm working with some big folks that are coming onto the show. My editing is getting better. My audio is getting better. And that was some, that was one of those things too, where I, I really was doubting myself a lot. And so I just, I did it. And I, I knew that it was either going to, you know, succeed or not. But I think what it was for me more was it, it was really taking a chance on myself again, but also allowing myself to take that risk. And that's that's been something that I, I've really embraced as a philosophy for my life, even with modeling, you know, going into this thinking, well, like, what if nobody hires me? I'm like, you know what? This is for me. I'm doing this as something. And like I said, people see it because I've had folks reach out. I've, I'm doing photo shoots. I'm connecting with people. I'm starting to get, you know, paid. I'm starting to do all of these other little things, but it's taken time. And so that's another thing too, is you can't rush things. Mm. Things do take time. Uh, you know, sometimes we want that big automatic reward, that big automatic growth. We want to see something just succeed. But even us, we it takes time for us to figure things out. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's really unlearning and pushing away from these ideologies around time, around our age, around our gender, around money, around all of this shit, and really just embracing ourselves as human beings. And to me, that is the most important thing. So what I really want people to take away is unlock that cage that mm -hmm. you're in. Unlock that those those that constriction that's around you that inner critic that keeps telling you you can't just unlock that and honestly just take a risk and and give yourself the opportunity to really be human and not be scared of uncomfortable feelings and failure because at the end of the day those are the things that you're you're likely going to um take with you right those lessons that you learned and you will grow from them Beautiful, beautiful. I love that failure. I think similar to you has been something that I always kind of, it challenged me to do better. And I always take it as a learning curve. If it doesn't work, I learn something and like just move on to the next chapter as as, as we learn in life. Uh, what's next as we wrap up? What is next for you? Uh, where can people find you? Um, yeah. Talk to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now, uh, like I said, I have my podcast. We're on the 12th episode. That is the Queer Magic Podcast. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm also currently working on some fashion projects that aren't out yet, and I will share those once they start to uh, come to fruition and also once they get out there in the world. Uh, I'm also working on a few like just branding deals and lots of little lots of fun stuff like that. Uh, I'm gonna be uh, in New York in September for Fashion Week. I'm actually going to be walking in one of the shows for a designer that uh, I met that I really admire and, and uh, the dedication to the LGBTQ plus community. And yeah, lots of fun stuff. I mean, I'm working on a lot of things. I can't share a lot of those things right now yet because I'm still trying to hey. you know cement them. Yes. But uh, there's definitely a lot. And people can find me on Instagram at Louise underscore the T-H-E-E underscore LMFT, or my website, www.luis-cornejo.com. And all my stuff is on there. All the updates go yeah. on there. So Yeah, you're going to be tagging in the post on Instagram. Please go go follow Luis, an amazing human being. Uh, I can't wait to see 
you know, how the next <laughs> six months of 2023 develop for you. Like, again, I just want to elevate that. It's been a pleasure meeting you back two years ago and just closing the loop today. We've been wanting to have an, a, an episode for like a couple months now. <laughs> and it was kind of like, yeah, I hit or miss. But today, I'm, I'm really grateful that it happened. Uh, you have been able to share and, and also just validate a lot of the emotions that I've been having as a new business owner and just navigating this room of success. And I was like, I don't feel alone. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank yeah. you for your energy. Thank you for showing up. Uh, and once again, this is Noche Galactica. I'm Puerto Galactico, and you are Luis Cornejo. Thank you very much. Okay, good. That was, that was great. Can I give you a hug? That was amazing. Well, thank you. This is this is this is powerful. This is.